This recording was made on Bundjalung country, Byron Shire, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Rightio. Yes, we're back. And you know what? Before we begin, I actually need to talk to you about something. Because I was at the markets today, and I realized that we have had a PPE problem in this country long before COVID-19. Because what happened to me... (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'm starting this podcast with a very old man whinge. Because for the millionth time, someone handed me some fresh produce at the markets today with a gloved hand, which I appreciated, then instantly didn't appreciate when they accepted my coins with the same gloved hand. And I'm just thinking, hello, do we, are we, what happens? Like, how much of a dickhead are you if you just suddenly call that out? You're so obnoxious. You're ruining the atmosphere at the markets, bro. Come on, belt up. But then again, it's like, how many times rolls before you can actually say something? Because it just ruins the food, whether it's, you know, fresh produce which you can wash or a piece of pastry which you can wash well you can't wash I was about to say you can wash less easily no there's no washing a loaf of sourdough it's all over by that point the rest of the it's ruined all right I feel better you know what you know the sad truth is that I actually feel better having gotten that off my chest even though there's no one around all I needed to do was apparently climb into the cabin of my truck and then talk to nobody and I'd feel better. Anyway, thanks for joining me on this podcast today where what you're about to listen to has nothing to do with what I just said. Today's podcast is with Nico Kerpios of Marvel Street Coffee up in Byron Bay. I wanted to talk to someone at Marvel Street mainly because I'd noticed at a few cafes that were supplying their coffee that it was arriving in buckets And I thought, that is awesome. That's finally a roaster who's willing to tackle the logistics behind delivering coffee in buckets rather than in the typical non-recyclable, generally speaking, kilogram bags that wholesale coffee typically arrives in. Because that's not an easy task, figuring out exactly how to supply someone the precise volume of coffee that they're going to need for a week in buckets, impose that change on them, and then figure out how to get the buckets back to and from. I mean, it's no small feat. So I thought the mind behind that initiative is going to be an interesting mind to connect with. And sure enough, it led me to Nico, and I was completely correct. Nico invited me to the roastery very promptly and very generously, and I've wandered in, and everything in the roastery looks pretty typical because there are just certain things around a really high-quality coffee roastery that you come to expect to see. And then I noticed this one bench which had a stack of like plastic discs on it, and I was like, oh, what are they? And I was chatting to a bloke there, and I was pick- I picked one of them up, and it had this kind of funny texture to it, and he was like, oh, that's just the 3D printing that Nico's playing around with. And I was like, excuse me? Because I'm not- I don't know about you, but I've kind of accepted that 3D printing is a thing. It doesn't mean I know someone who's got one and does it. So I was blown away. I was like, what do you mean he's 3D printing them? And it explained this funny texture. But basically, the bloke has been 3D printing his own designs 
of specific attachments to different pieces of coffee machinery to maximize the workflow, maximize the efficiency, optimize everything and minimize waste mainly is his main angle for it. And so straight away, I was like, okay, this is the guy who brought buckets and bags. He's 3D printing his own grinder cradles so that people can have a set of scales straight under the grinder, not waste a single grain of coffee. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a sweet person to chat to. And I was right. I really, really enjoyed connecting with him because Nico has one of these minds of people that I've come to absolutely love because I think certain people out there just think about stuff all the fucking time. All the time. They never stop. They never stop calculating, interpreting, analyzing, like taking in new information and critically applying it to their current ideas of the world. And I feel like Nico kind of fits into this category because everything because everything he talks about comes with evidence of an insane amount of forethought. And I really appreciate people like that. I really appreciate the level of mindfulness especially in the pursuit of a craft that I enjoy and probably so do you like the rest of the world. We're all addicted to it. We all love it. We're all okay with the addiction because it's great. Coffee is amazing. I won't hear a word against it. So basically this is a chat of two absolute coffee dorks um, just dorking out on the same dorky geeky stuff. So if you're not into coffee, actually that's kind of a reductive thing to say, Roland. That's not actually all this coffee this coffee, this conversation was about. It was centered around coffee, definitely, but it branched out. Even if you're a non-coffee drinker or, I don't know, a frappuccino of some description, I think you'll still find the conversation interesting. So sit back and enjoy. Nico Kerpios, see you at the end. So go, can we go back to what you were talking about just with the bags? Because for people, well, everyone who's just going to be listening to this, you're showing me 3D printed cradles that you've put on your grinders so that you can sit a scale underneath the dispensing chute so that you're not wasting a single gram or your customers aren't wasting a single gram of coffee and check check Nico just told me that he's collecting all the soft plastics back from customers to eventually be able to melt them down to create fibers to then 3d print waste saving devices effectively yeah it's amazing man like yeah yeah um, you're hectic yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, the bags were a big issue for us. So yeah. it all started back at the bags. So um, the bags are, obviously coffee bags are single use packages, but they're highly you know, moisture resistant and they've got special valves on them to let um, carbon dioxide out, but nothing else in. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're moisture barrier, you know, you send them a coffee bag. Mm -hmm. Also, you probably had coffee that out of a bag that wasn't, you know, well, um, Sealed, mm. it doesn't taste great. Mm. Um, so um, we worked on a bag with Zach from Eco Brister and and, and uh, basically came up with a bag that was airtight, moisture tight, but didn't have the and was recyclable. A lot of the coffee bags out there have got aluminium in them, so they've got an aluminium lining. Yeah, it's like a bonded. Yeah, like, so it's three layers or something. Yeah, usually three two, layers. two or three layers. There's like an aluminium and a polypropylene and a polyethylene. Wow. Not sure which order, but one of them's good for printing, one of them's good for bonding, and then one of them's good for sealing. So we just kind of went through all of the possibilities of a, you know, it's, there's still fossil fuel based plastics, but one that was a little bit more gentle. Yeah, and one possible. that you could close the loop with at the yeah. end of it, like, because I imagine you, that wasn't that the whole problem with coffee bags is you can't delaminate all those materials that's right. and you can't reuse them. That's right. That's as far as that's that's what I know. So so. We just tested a whole lot of 
different bags until we found a bag that was an equal match to the engineered coffee traditional bag, which is you know obviously foil and plastic. It ended up with a bag that's you know polyethylene, polypropylene, and lasts. You put in the freezer for a year and the coffee's good. Yeah. But the, the benefit is we can recycle and melt them down. Um, uh, so then, then we were like, okay, what are we going to do with these plastics? So then we are like, okay, well, let's make some Brista tools. And the first one was like an AeroPress filter that you could put your water through. Oh, yeah. So you could filter your water with your AeroPress. And then and that was one of the ideas. Ah. What, you know, so you could filter your water, put the filter on. Yeah, and right. then kind of moved into coffee tools for baristas, like trays, yeah. work off the bench yeah. to save coffee. The biggest thing for us is making sure our customers don't waste coffee. Yeah. So that, that legitimizes our, our price because we're not a cheap, you know, coffee. Yeah, business. yeah, yeah. So we've got to somehow make gains and that's no wastage. Yeah. So. That's um, always been like the most frustrating. Like I've been making coffee for 11 years and even since day one when I didn't know much about how to do it and didn't know much about where it came from, I couldn't fathom how much I was being instructed to waste. Yeah. Like the person who taught me was like, okay, so the beginning of the day you need to uh, get rid of you know, the remaining grinds in the grinder, so just grind it out and chuck it in the bin. And I was like, hold on, that's like, yeah. that's three coffee, maybe six yeah. coffees worth of yeah. coffee just, yeah. and it's been grown and transported so much wastage. Halfway across the world. So much wastage. Then roasted, bagged, delivered, yeah. put through an electronic machine by me just to go straight in the bin. In the bin yeah. And I was just, I never got my head around it. Yeah. And waste just always turned into a pile, like, a pile of A pile of ashes under the... It's crazy, uh, man. Under the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we kind of... Our, one of our mottos is first cut perfect, you know? And so you can put coffee in the grinder and that first cup's perfect. It mm. should be. Mm. Uh, and likewise... It was like, okay, so the grinders do overdose a little bit uh, or underdose a little bit. Even the best grinders in the world aren't, you know, 0.1 of a gram perfect. Yeah. So we wanted to get those those to 0.1 of a gram perfect. So our system just, we can move coffee from the dosing cup to a spare cup all off the bench. And it's a, it's a you know, it's a plastic 3D printed scale stand that, that bolts to your grinder that brings it, you know, to another level. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, we just find that, there's a lot less wastage and it's quicker to make coffee. Quicker to make coffee as yeah, well, yeah. yeah, as opposed to like moving a porter filter from a big set of kitchen scales to the grinder yeah. and back to the scales and then mucking around. Yeah. A lot of people ask, oh, I say, well, that's got to take longer, but I think everyone now knows that they have to weigh their dose. Mm, mm. And, and if, if you've had to weigh your dose, this is the fastest way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the absolute fast way for sure. So we make the scale stands for... Um, most of the grinders out there now that we use, the Robers and the Peaks. And the idea was, is, and still is, to get our waste plastic and either press them or turn that into a filament that we can then print other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I love it, man, because yeah. you guys are, you're closing the loop just in your business or even the industry yeah. when there's just no public infrastructure in place. Like, yeah. I remember watching War on Waste and knowing about red cycle bins and then just having 
my whole paradigm shattered by seeing it end up in landfill when they did that little experiment yeah. and he put a tracking device in the and red where cycle it actually goes. and it ended up in a southeast yeah. Queensland landfill. And I, mean, I think the biggest I think the biggest takeout from all that was you just gotta take responsibility for yes. everything that you touch, yes. either at home or within a business. And not consider the financial cost, just do things that don't scale and do things that aren't profitable, but minimize your waste and make it important. Yeah, totally. So, so, you know, we operate the whole business on, you know, it's a a 400 square meter warehouse. We have 50 odd customers. We do a pallet of or self coffee a week, Mm. you know, a ton or more. And we operate on half, two half willy bins. Yeah, right. You know, really? Yeah. Wow. There's like seven staff. Yeah. Two half wheelie bins. And, you know, there's some stuff that we can't, you know, it's just got to go to from. Yeah. You know, some stuff. Yeah. But, and we're working on that. Yeah. But we try, you know, our, there's only so much you can do, right? I mean, you're leaning against a pallet full of like soft plastic wrapped coffee that's presumably yeah. come from South America. Yeah. Yeah, Colombia. So, or, or, or it, it, on this pallet, you've got, pallet which is timber which goes back and then you have the plastic which is wrapped the soft plastics gets reused in our shipping so we will just we'll just oh, we yeah. just ship boxes of coffee and then that'll just buff out so we don't buy any fill you yeah know, you know you got to pack yeah yeah say 16 kilos and 18 kilo boxes two kilos of air or four liters of air yeah and you've either got those stupid like foam things foam sh- little noodle yeah. things that look delicious we just, we just inexplicably yeah, right, that's perfect. And then the, the coffee bags themselves, the Hesham gets, they go to farmers and they might use them for potatoes or we use them, um, a guy's been using them to stop erosion, so they put them like down. Like sandbags sort of thing? Yeah, but, or just lay them down. Oh, right. And he, he's got a farm that's got heavy erosion, it's quite steep, so he, he lays them down, stops the, stops the water from eroding the land and then obviously plants grow. So it put, puts the hessian down. And they go through the hessian? And they grow through the hessian. Oh, and the hessian awesome. just holds the, holds the land down. And then inside there's plastic, which is probably more like a polyethylene or polypropylene again, like it's super flexible plastic. And they, they, we just recycle those plastics into shipping bags. We don't buy any shipping bags for retail. Okay. We just cut them, turn them into shipping bags, and yep. put our coffee in them. I'm not sure if you've seen those. No, I haven't. Um, yeah. I'll show you later on. But, yeah, yeah. But they, you know, we, we don't. When we send retail out for courier satchels, we don't use their satchels. We yeah. Just use, and you just like just print out a label or something. You print out a label. Yeah. Use this that stuff's so early. Yeah. It's heavy duty. It's yeah. Yeah. So they, they become our they become our shipping bags. Yeah. So you know, we try not to buy. If we can use something again, we do. So this stuff here, this is like a. But it's just this is a male plus. Shipping satchel. Yeah. We just make them all. We just make them ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it costs us time. It's cheaper financially. But, but it, know, I, 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 it's kind of free marketing too. Like, so people kind of get the package and they. Oh, for they, sure. They go, it's what the hell is this? It's like, yeah, it's like handmade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just stop and take notice because it's not the expected, you know, red or yellow Oz Post bag. And that goes in the bin, right? But you know, yeah. I mean, they go yeah, to exactly. soft, soft plastics recycling again. But yeah. And you can buy compostable ones again, but I kind of feel like you could buy the compostable ones and that's great, or you could just use the plastics that everything arrives in mm. and give that a second life and then mm. you're kind of just cutting out a hole. Yeah, and the compostable thing is kind of like farcical at this stage, yeah. from my opinion yeah. anyway, because we don't have commercial composting 
yeah. integrated into our waste disposal. They, so they've it's got just going to end up in landfill. They've yeah. got to be sorted into that compost waste. Yeah, exactly. You can't put them into with the green waste. That's exactly. The, like it's needs to be another bin, right? Yeah, exactly. It's useful if you're putting compostable things in the compostable bag, but not if you're putting yeah. your regular waste in there. It's kind yeah. of just like this feel-good thing. It, it needs to be like green waste, and then I think all plastics, including the ones that we use in the PEs and the PPs, and all the plastics that we use that are recyclable, just delete all those and just have... A, a compostable plastic recycling scheme or and that that way all those plastics everything that's produced is compostable plant-based mm. plastics mm. And those plastics then go and get correctly treated yeah and then there's nothing there's no fossil fuel based plastics yeah yeah and yeah. that's the next step i think yeah have you heard of um cat htr technology uh, it's i think it's catalytic hydrothermal pyrolysis or something but it's this um, new emergent technology that I think there's a functional test plant on the central coast of New South Wales yeah. where 80% of mixed plastic hard and soft yeah. can be recycled into a crude oil to be yeah, right. re-refined awesome. yeah. and it's like it's poised to sort of revolutionise yeah. things but only if we can separate our banana peels out of all that shit yeah. as well that's, and that's like, you know, actually Tox, Tox. switch on to separating stuff out. And there's another initiative called Precious Plastic. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, where you build it your, yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some guys from Europe that are, that are doing, you know, they're doing uh, collection centres, they're doing processing centres, they're doing manufacturing centres. Yeah, they... And, they, and they're doing, and they're doing end, like, final product centres. So you, so you can be all of them, so you collect the, pl the, the plastics, process them, you know, so it includes collecting them, grinding them down, melting them, and then melting them into sheets or melting them into... Like moulds. Moulds. Yeah. I saw that. They open-sourced the blueprints to build your own start-to-finish yeah. thing, as you're saying, yeah. in a shipping container for under 10 grand or yeah. something crazy like that. Yeah. And if you've Epic. got an engineer, Epic. mate, Epic. at Bunnings nearby, you can do Epic. it. Yeah, and I think it's, as soon as you go, okay, I could buy a piece of... I, I need a, you know build a wall for whatever reason. Mm. You know, you can line the wall in some fibrous cement sheeting or you could line it in some PE or PP yep. or mixed plastics that, yeah, super thermal resistant, yeah, yeah, super yeah. sound resistant, probably better than fibrous cement sheeting. Extremely durable as we know. Lightweight. Lightweight, yeah. You know, and you could just, so, and you, you compare one sheet of, you know, um, uh, um, what did I say it was? Um, compressed cement. sheeting, sorry, yeah. Compressed sheeting to that plastic. I mean, yeah. it's 60 bucks for a sheet or whatever it's going to be. You know, yeah. you just... So, so or, it's, or it's free. Or it's free. Yeah. You know, you know. I love that, man. That, yeah. that is exactly um, what I think, what, what excites me and what I'm seeing more of and what I think needs to happen is like we need to celebrate the resource rather than condemn the material. Correct. And like... Correct. And make it precious. Exactly. So... so, so I kind of had this, I don't even know if it's factual, but if you kind of do the dummy maths on it, like there's probably been enough plastic created in the last, whatever it was, 100 years, 80 years, 60 years, I don't know what it is, 70 years, that if we just continue to keep that as a precious resource, mm. like you wouldn't throw gold in the water, mm. or, you know, but if you just, precious resource, and you just, you shouldn't have to mine it. You shouldn't yeah. have to, you know, you should just have enough in circulation Right now, yeah, to yeah, last yeah. us forever. So, Dummy so, so maths is that. the only maths I do. I 100% agree that there's yeah. enough out there. So, so just stop producing it yeah. and just, just turn it off. Yeah. And just get it back into the system. And we've probably got enough. There's yep. probably enough bumper bars out there, you know, enough 
plastics out there. I mean, totally. And, you know, there's these things that virgin plastic is better and, you know, it's more... But we just got to figure out better systems. Yeah. And then move away from the... Constant crude extraction. Correct. Or, you know, the fossil fuels-based plastics yeah. and move towards plant-based plastics. I mean, and they're just as bad. Yeah, yeah. Right, they're just as bad as far as a plastic is concerned, meaning they can still sit... The bottom still of the ocean. Pull, do the, exactly, have They're the same pollute. pollutive effects. But you're not digging up the ground. Yeah, totally. It's one level less. Yeah. A friend of mine in, um, a friend of mine was, I went around to his place and he's insulating his own garage with soft plastics that he's collecting from his mate. Yeah, nice. Because he's just a fucking yeah. hardcore nice. eco-hero like that. Nice. And um, I'd been recycling wetsuits and I had a whole bunch of neoprene left over. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, would that probably be helpful for your insulation, right? I mean, it's designed yeah, for totally. insulation. Yeah. So I gave him like a trailer load of neoprene and it's just like, it's the same thing where he is specifically looking at it as this amazing opportunity of a resource rather yeah. than just like rubbish or yeah. a material we have to avoid. Yeah. It's like we're past that. We can't avoid yeah. it anymore. It's everywhere now. Yeah. And, and I think the idea of plastic is this horrible. So you throw it in the bin. Yeah. But I, Get rid but, of it. But I think... There has to be a mindset change. And look, I'm guilty as charged, right? My recycle bin at home is horrible because I buy food. Yeah, and yeah a lot exactly of food's in plastic. So, so I'm guilty as charged. But, but I think I can see that if we can have local um, distribution centers or processing centers where you take your plastics or they're, they're collected and Maybe you're charged if it's not sorted. If they come around, they see mm. your bins and they do all random audits and that bin's not sorted and you've got a banana skin inside of some plastic, you get a fine. Yeah, man. Or they just don't take it. Deal yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. It, Deal with a full bin for the next seven days. Which doesn't help. Get a fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Noosa, Noosa did a trial with transparent curbside bins and I was like, now oh, there's man. an idea. That's a good idea. Because you're you accountable. Well, I think like... it. It's one of these things where that, that is just an undeniably effective way to make people accountable for yeah. their waste and visibly so in front of all of yeah. their neighbours. But it was only a trial and did it had work? amazing results. Yeah, yeah, did work. Just haven't seen the uptick because everyone's a bit afraid it's of like, like, like needing to commit. It's like closure and it would be so clean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Um, is this supposed to be about recycling plastic? Oh, whatever, man. No, it's okay. not really. Oh, yeah, it's just one of the things that... Uh, it's one of the things that you guys are doing, right? Because you also do buckets instead of bags. Yeah. That's pretty We have rare. customers that want bags, and we just say, if you want bags, then go somewhere else. Go and buy something. Yeah. No, we just look to bags. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, like, like, if we can deliver to you, and it's nice, we're nice about it. It's not, we're not trying to be, you know, I didn't mean to sound... High and mighty about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But it's basically, hey, this is how we do it. We'll come to you, we'll deliver, we'll bring buckets, we'll collect the old ones. We did a round of a thousand buckets, Five liter, ten liter buckets, which holds about eight kilos of coffee, mm -hmm. eight to ten kilos. In 2013, a thousand buckets. So, and we've only just got more. So really? Seven years, weekly deliveries. These buckets really? here. These, these buckets here. We did these in 2000. We did these in 2007. So I, we, Dude, with some maths, so cool. fifteen, about 1,500 bags per bucket is about where we're so that's like over a, that's a million and a half bags basically dummy mass then you use the bucket twice and it financially pays for itself yeah right you know so, so sick. And, they're, and they're valuable the buckets are valuable and we just bought the lids breaks we buy some new lids yeah 
you know, and we've tried steel buckets, but they don't work because a bit of water gets in them and they rust. And they, yeah, got, yeah, and they yeah. ding and they don't not airtight. Plastic buckets are the way. Yeah, you know, it's, it comes back to this thing of valuing the material so, rather than demonising yeah. it. So we, send it, so, we, so we have to ship the coffee, we send them buckets, um, and then we put it in a food-grade cornstarch plastic bag, uh, for like four kilos, and you can get, so when the, when the coffee delivery arrives, comes in a box, yeah. so it's a 16-kilo box, you get four four-kilo bags, and those bags are cornstarch valved paper sticker. Yeah. So you can literally get that bag, throw it into the, into the bucket. Mm at the other end mm. and then cut it open use it and then hopefully use it again yep. so there's no 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 less impact yeah yeah it's still yeah. a cardboard box but hopefully yeah. you can use that in compost and yeah, we yeah. use craft boxes rather than heavily printed boxes yeah cool I also saw out there um, the compostable lids are they yeah. the are they the paper are they are paper mache sort of feeling yeah. I've only seen them up here I've not yeah, seen them yeah so they are sugarcane yeah sugarcane dehydrate oh, obviously sugarcane pulp turned into they look really cool those things do they work they're nice well? to drink out of are they rather than plastic they're, they're kind of um, I, I'm always torn about packaging innovations because especially like at yeah. the purchasing end of it because I always worry uh, for me like a keep cup or some bring your own reusable alternative is just like such a simple solution to it and I worry that like more is, environmentally is. sensitive packaging would almost encourage people that oh no this is cornstarch look it's good it's good and then the, it like almost yeah, has it, has puts it a handbrake on the efforts to yeah. actually try and liberate the waste but um, I think that's a really cynical way of looking at it because those so, things look really cool yeah as soon as Zach from Eco Brewster is amazing mm -hmm. so he, he's a family friend but also an amazing does an amazing job of producing eco packaging mm. and, and it's, it's always that line you know yeah. it's like you know you can bash plastic all you like, but look around. Yeah. Just just look around right now and look how much plastic is in your room. Mm. Like, it's not going away. Yeah. So how can you reuse it? How can we be sensitive about it? How can we not make sure it doesn't end up in landfill? And if it does, how can we make sure that it doesn't sit around for 500 years? Mm. So he's been amazing. Uh, and what... You know, as soon as you start to speak to someone like that, you, you start to realise that the, the problem with plastic is that it's already prolific. Yeah. It's already there. But um, he's been really good in making sure that um, we do the best commercial decision right now. Yeah. And a lot of things we do aren't, aren't commercial. <laughs> you know, like making the satchels by ourselves. Yeah. That, that's something we do in our spare time. Declining customers because they want bags. I'm sure you'd stand to make a lot more money if you just like... You said, yeah, okay, I'll get you some bags and then had a bunch more people yeah. on your payroll. Yeah, and to be honest, we haven't lost anyone because of it because we've worked really hard at communicating why we do it. Mm, mm. You know? And we kind of just don't want any of our products with our label on it going in the bin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. You that's know, like, a really good point. Like, like, I, like the commercial coffee roasters, we don't consider ourselves commercial because we do a whole lot of things that aren't commercial. Yeah, yeah, But we yeah. still are, because obviously we're a company. But anyway. But the symbology of the logo in the bin. On the ground? Yeah. How many times you walk down point. the street and seen a major, and there's a, like a coffee cup on the ground. Yeah. And someone's trodden on it or squashed it, and there's their brand in the gutter. 
And I'm like, let's there for 100 years. Yeah, and it's also just such a bad look for that brand. It's yeah. just like all stomped up and stained in the gutter. Yeah. And and I, I've, I've talked to, I've talked to um, Zach about you know, like putting like a, um, getting your coffee cup and then putting a seed in the bottom of the coffee cup. But it's not going to work because it's hot water. But then, you know, you, you know, you, get your coffee grounds from the, from that cup of coffee, put it in there, oh, I put see, it in the I ground. See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it grows, you know? Yeah. You know, but... Yeah, that's, that's someone once told me, because my cafe was in Chatswood and we had a very sort of geometric logo um, and bright red cups with a white logo. So it was quite stark and quite recognisable. And takeaway cups were always this thing where it's like, if we didn't have them, I wouldn't have had a business. But yeah. I hated every single one yeah, that I sent out. Okay. And it was this constant, like integrity crisis for me but someone said like oh i saw one of your cups at town hall which is you know seven or eight train stops away yeah it was just sitting there and bought and someone's even sent me photos of the same sort of thing like oh i'm not in chatswood but here look i found your cup wow. and i was always just like a bit like thanks i guess yeah. but kind of very conflicted about the image of that and thinking yeah. well i don't that's like why, that that's, that's why our cups are blank but they're also really they're there so we, we only sell blank cups mm. and they're again they're paper wrapped in cornstarch right so a cornstarch plastic cup yeah which does compost so if you cut that up if you cut our cups up with a pair of scissors everyone at home should have compost that yeah. works yeah and then all of a sudden you start to realize how it all works so we've got some sub pods at home and a, and a big compost mm -hmm. and we try and compost everything so if you get a, a an eco bristol cup and you chop that up into four pieces or more and then throw in the compost, it'll break down within six months. And the more pieces, the, the quicker the better, it happens. Yeah, higher surface yeah. area, the worms yeah. get in. And it works. Yeah. Um, anyway. But it's just how many people are out there doing that. And you get two cups a day. Yeah. And then it's 14 cups a week. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot of coffee cups to compost. And yeah, as soon as you yeah. start to realise, yeah, yeah that, that's, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It, it's a lot. You just got to turn on that sensitivity switch towards it I think and they go okay this this having awareness yeah I like that phrase the sensitivity switch because it only switches on and never switches off like yeah. once you start turning stones over and looking under them and actually yeah. asking questions about there's no choice footprint there. yeah there's no choice and that's why we do things that don't scale and do yeah things man that cost I love that that's you know? so yeah that's awesome I'm really glad you said that because that is exactly the it's such a good way to describe the mentality that yeah everyone's going through at their own pace yeah. it's just this sensitivity yeah. switch and it's just like how quickly or slowly for a lot of people and it's then, turning on and then, and, and then with that with staffing it's like you end up hiring people that value that and they don't mind those jobs yeah you think about getting a grain pro bag that had coffee in it you could cut it up into A4 place size and then the, the packaging satchels have to be perfect mm. they have to be beautiful they can't mm. look like waste yeah so you know we've got an A4 template they've got to be perfectly cut sealed coffee goes in them you know so it's gonna be perfect yeah yeah but staffing you know we've got our got had our fair share of staff and what i found is that the the people that enjoy those jobs are the right people to have in your business yeah because they don't mind it they go okay we're using this this is good for the planet yeah we've got to totally. stay back an extra 15 minutes to get this satchel made and get it sent out rather than buying a compostable one that yeah you know Cost us three cents. Four yeah, cents. I had the same thing with the foil line kilogram bags because yeah. the shop was doing ninety kilos a week at its busiest, and so just so much, 
so many of these bloody bags. Yeah. And so rather than put the bags and our coffee in the same landfill bin, we had a dedicated grinds bin where it was only ever coffee grinds goes in. Yeah. And then it was someone's job on a rotational basis to take that bin and a ice cream, well, not an ice cream scoop, but a shovel scoop thingo and fill up those kilogram empty bags that were open very carefully and then staple them closed and leave them out the front as like free composting. Yeah, awesome. For anyone. And you'd think that in the middle of Chatswood Metropolitan train station, there wouldn't be much interest. Wow. But man, we would turn no up bags. in the morning, three empty crates, like all gone. Yeah, awesome. Every day. And it was oh, just I think like, if you've got your appetites compost, out you there. You realise how valuable, yeah. how, how valuable the grit is. Yeah. And it like it's, it didn't avoid the problem of that bag being non-recyclable. But it got used again, right? But it got used again. Yeah, exactly. that, those people didn't have to go to the nursery to get some to get some compost yeah. or stuff that will help the compost, yeah. whatever it might be. But I found that it was like you're saying, it was a really quick, direct way to identify who's yeah. who's got the right head for this job yeah. because some people bitched and moaned about it, and then other people were mindful and appreciated why made it nice and clean yep. so the person taking it wasn't getting dirty some of the, and soiled some of, i had a staff member kimmy if you're listening probably not maybe anyway used to draw little pictures on them and yeah, stuff nice. saying thanks for taking it. it's just like that level of effort is yeah. just beautiful and such a um such an obvious like yeah. identifier for yeah. the right character for the team sort of it's thing funny, it's funny though you, you go to places that are still developing and they they you know although there is plastic issues with those with those countries, India or Indonesia, they're so um, forward thinking and so they, they, anything that's worth anything, mm. they'll, they'll keep and reuse. Yeah, the resourcefulness. The resource, that's the word. Epic. You know, and I think we've got to look to those guys and see how they're reusing their plastics. They're not, they're not, they're obviously got some real waste processing issues, but they're also really resourceful. Yeah. You know, we would have those same issues though if we didn't have massive tracts of land that we could just fill up yeah, yeah. out of sight, a long way away from it, where everyone lives so that we can forget about it. Yeah. It, I, re- I, heard, I read something interesting the other day from a magistrate talking about, sorry, this sounds off topic, but I think it's the same dynamic, yeah, yeah. Awesome. a magistrate talking about prisons yeah. and wanting to have prisons or towns not wanting to have prisons. And it's like, well, if you want laws and you want people arrested for breaking those laws, you need to be okay with having a prison in your neighbourhood. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like the rubbish thing where it's no yeah, one would yeah, want to no live next it. to a tip. Yeah. People hate even just a tiny tip because the smell of it wafts over and it's awful and whatever. But it's like, well, okay, if you want a civilization where you just throw things out and don't think about how you can reuse t- Maybe the tips need to be more localised. Yeah, maybe exactly. There, maybe there needs to be a processing plant every five streets. Man, or I something, think so. you know, that way, that way everyone's accountable and, yeah. and there's no hiding. Yeah, and yeah. W- that's exactly what we're doing. We're hiding from it yeah. because it's so far away. We all do it. Yeah, but I think collectively as Australians, I think like we're kind of getting away with a lot of it at the moment. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree. Mount Isa doesn't have recycling bins. Like, full Still. Off. They have one bin and everything goes in it. Oh, it's all good. The mics will be all right. Yeah. Yeah, I've only found that out recently driving through it. And same out in the Territory, there's a lot of communities that just have one kind of bin, and that's that. And it's, on the one hand, it's like very privileged for me to go, you need to have two bins and be better with your waste. Yeah. Standing here so, on the so, so Man Ice has only got red bins. Yep. No recycling. No recycling. And even us, like we've got two bins, but it's kind of weird that paper and plastic and metal all go in the one bin. And they get hand sorted. And they get hand sorted. And yeah, that's sort of like, 
there's a town in um, there's a town in Japan called Kamikatsu. I've seen it. Have you heard of it? Yeah, where they, where even, even like the toothbrushes and the, and the yeah, razors. They being... have something like 44 different waste streams yeah. where they're sorting out printer cartridges according to who manufactured them. Yeah. And like the level of... And, but that, that's the only way you can do it. Yeah. Is, is to actually sort them really well. Yeah. And the beautiful part of that about that is the people go and sort their own trash. Yeah. They turn up. Everyone's engaged. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got the... It's still, it's still working. I mean, I saw, yeah. that, I saw that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And they've got maybe 2,500 people in that town, which is a lot easier than, you know, a city of 5 million. But still, they're... I don't know. It's like everyone there has just decided to commit yeah. to it and, and realise that they have a responsibility to yeah. each other. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I, I find it frustrating to go to the tip. I go to the tip and I've got all this waste and I've kind of sorted it. Yeah. And then, yep. I, and then I get there and I'm like, well, uh oh, it's all going in the same hole. Yep. And, and, and there's some value there and there's so much of it. It's pretty heartbreaking, yeah. isn't it? Like, that is big part and, of and, and, and I, sorry. Oh, no, you go. You keep going. I just see value in it. Yeah. But, I, but I've still got to move it. I've got to move it on. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. You know, you've got leftover bits of timber and whatever it might be. And you just got to throw it in the hole. Yeah. You know, you just, it's so hard to move it on you know you can we know we post a lot of stuff at home for free we're renovating so it's like post tiles just and, and gum tree pickups and stuff yeah, yeah best we can but at yeah. the end of the day there's still a pile at the end that's got to go and yeah when you go to the tip it's not really it's all just in the same hole yeah and when that sensitivity switch is flicked like the level of anxiety that that can yeah. present is massive like yeah. my mental health is so so incumbent on on you know, the environment and, and what I'm being exposed to and whether it's like feeling bad about what I'm throwing out and then opening a bin, seeing it full of all the, the wrong things and just like, the distress is real. And yeah. that's almost like as good of a motivating factor as anything else for me, thinking, okay, well, I don't want to be responsible for contributing to anyone else's anxiety, so I will do my best to do the right thing. But it's like, doesn't hide the fact that it's really upsetting and yeah. can really uh, grind you down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you're human, right? So mm. we just got to do the best we can do. Um, but do you guys have like quite close relationships to who you buy your coffee from? Yep. I, in fact, I think I read on the cupping bench the other day one of the um, cards about how you guys buy one particular farm's entire harvest every year. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's been amazing to work with, work with them. Uh, Louis Edier, Renoso. Back in the day, it was Daniel Sanchez, um, who other, other producers. There have been other producers. Um, there's some issues that we've found with that uh, direct trade model. Um, but having the right producer that's willing to understand your needs as a roaster mm -hmm. compared to what they need as a, you know, there's a, it's a balance. So pairing up with the right producer that has a common goal with what you want to serve and what you want produced is really important. Yeah, I bet that's hard, especially yeah. like traversing developing versus developed economies. Yes. It is. There's, when you talk about quality of coffee, there's, there's a grade quality that's very easy to achieve, which is, surpasses our actual requirement for quality. You know, so if we're talking about scoring coffee, 85 plus 
quality starts in the quality world at say 82 or 83, I think it is, mm-hmm. up. Right. This is for the classification of specialty coffee. Specialty coffee, right? right? So you know that's how it's scored out of a hundred. Right. Eighty-five used to be almost unachievable, mm. and now eighty-five is you know you just do these processes, make sure the coffee's grown right and fertilised and picked right, and eighty-five is really achievable. Mm. Eighty-six is really achievable mm. year after year. So when they get to this quality level. Um, it, it surpasses our requirements. You know, if we were to get that coffee every day, we would be A-OK. But, you know, mm. being the people that we are, we always want more and better. Mm-hmm. So, 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 you know, balancing that for a producer, that to do those, those coffees that are maybe 87, 88, maybe even a 90 coffee, you know, yeah. requires just as much work with far less return. Sure. So when you get these producers up to doing, you know, this 85 plus, theoretically, you do the whole farmer's 85 plus, sell all that, or 85, 86, sell all that, and that's the most economical version for their farm. Yeah, I get you. It's not actually economical for them to do the extra yeah. varieties and the extra, because yeah. there's no, even, you know, you buy 20 or 30 kilos of it, it's super expensive, it still doesn't equate for them. Mm. So getting the produce that's happy to do a little bit of both, or do both, and if you support them, that's difficult. Yeah. But Caravella have been really instrumental in helping us achieve that. Is that is that a distributor? Caravella is uh, an exporter, an importer. Okay. Uh, and they're on the ground. Cool. So they, they invest in producers so they can be still independent. Yep. But great grow great coffee. They you know, they go in and they assess the family and the farm and say this is how much money you need to earn a year and this is how much coffee you can produce this is how much you need to sell it for mm. you know a coffee, coffee farm at 2,000 metres in Talima that's super small is going to have to sell their coffee for a higher price because mechanically it's difficult to process that coffee and get it down and shipped and sorted yeah. whereas you know at 1,200 metres where it's maybe flatter you can grow more coffee quicker and it's easier to move around so they go in and make sure that each producer is self is assessed based on their families as well they've got more kids well then you need to sell the coffee for more Mm. because you need the kids need to go to school Mm. that's awesome man i'm really that inspires me to hear that someone's out there doing that yeah because cool that's like it's a really ugly part of the coffee industry that it's this drug that we consume every single day multiple times a day that comes from like really impoverished nations totally and, and, and if your focus is 100% on the coffee and the quality in the cup, disregarding the story and everything, you would buy from one location, you know, as soon as you start to understand that El Salvador's dry, it's more expensive, or, or you know, Honduras is wet, and as soon as you understand the climates and the conditions that the people go through, then... It, then you become a little more sympathetic to buying coffee at different prices and, yeah. and managing quality in a way that it's always awesome. But it's not, you're not always after the best it's coffee It's maybe in not the world. that 90. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, the exactly. Story's, the story's better. And in the end, you taste yeah. that in the cup. Definitely. As soon as you know the coffee, you taste that. Yeah. Which is better than not knowing the story. story. Correct. Yeah, man, definitely. So, so um, they've been good to help us understand yeah. that. They've been amazing. Um, but there's also other importers. Um, you know, we deal with 
you know, Melbourne coffee merchants a uh, little bit. We deal with um, uh, cafe imports a little bit more. Um, um, who else do we deal with? Um, Condesa, which mm-hmm. is part of Ecorp. Um, because there's a lot of room in those. Well, Latorian Latori Dutch. There's lots of little importers that we deal with, mm. and we want to support everyone. Are they varying in their commitment to actually delivering um, equity on all sides? Yeah, I think are some so. better I, than I, others? I, I, I think. I'm not asking you to name names or anything. No, no, no. But I, I think, can imagine. To be honest, I think they all care. That's good. Yeah, like we don't buy from straight commodity you know, importers. Yeah. And there's those guys as well. They're just straight commodity. Yeah. You know, it's no transparency, graded quality price Dang. based on the US coffee exchange. We buy from, we buy from, we just need to know that there's transparency. Yeah. So who, who, yeah. who's grown it? Have they been paid enough? Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, yeah. try I'm, to make sure that everyone's earning more than what it costs them to make, to grow the coffee. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Because that would be so... I mean, it's been distressing for me as a barista, but I imagine as a roaster and doing an operation like yours that if if the integrity crisis would be real if you knew that that was coming at the expense of a whole family's livelihood or welfare. And you get... You know, all of our customers understand. I think we've done a really good job at communicating what we do. We're lo-fi mm-hmm. in, in, in look and appeal when you walk into our roastery. It's because all of our money goes into the initiatives that we do. Yeah. But I think that served in our favour mm-hmm. or worked in our favour. Um, but you have some people inquiring about the coffee and their bottom line is how much does it cost? Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's, you can get cheaper. You, yeah. can, you can walk into Woolies and you can buy coffee yep. per kilo less than what we pay for green. You can walk into Woolies right now and buy mm. whatever it is, Lavazza or whatever it is, for $19 a kilo. That can be less than what we pay for our coffee, green. Yeah, green. You know? It's but it's so reflective of what it is. And like correct. Anyone... Correct. That, there's, there's people, all the coffee that is picked, it's all hand-picked. Yeah. There's people on the other side. This is where this there's waste... People. Yeah, this is where this waste thing from grinders, like going into the bin. Totally. And you look... I, I just remember the very first time I was looking in the bin at like light brown, delicious smelling, coffee. wasted coffee, sitting in the bin and just thinking, well, that was literally a handful of cherries in the yeah. two hands of someone extremely poor. Could you imagine? What they, what, could you imagine if they saw... Imagine if they them? saw, exactly. Right. And yeah. like that was yeah. probably the very beginning of a long sort of yeah. spiritual journey of interconnected energies totally. and blah, blah, blah. But imagining that person seeing what I'm doing, totally. heartbreaking. When I had a cafe, we used to get all the spent... We, that's all good. We used to all the spent grinds for the day, mm-hmm. soaked them in water. It was our cold brew. Wow, spent grinds. All the spent grinds. No, not all the spent grinds. Or oh, just like um, grinds that before purged, we did scale, we had wasted coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I owned a cafe, That's there was more idea. wasted coffee. So we used to just put water in it, soak it, yep. and the next day it would be Strain a it. cold brew. Cold brew. Perfect. Done, right? All the coffee together. Decaf, filter yeah, coffee, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is, you know, everything in, in, in together, and then you'd make more out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. So have you always been this way, like very cognizant of? Of the no. footprints and waste and every single little thing? You kind of strike no. me as that kind of guy. Some would say I'm not. 
I don't know. You seem very like mindful and aware, and it doesn't seem like something. Yeah. You just picked up because it's trendy. It seems like something you've been doing. Yeah. Uh, I think that comes with the purpose. You, you get to a certain age where you kind of think, well, purpose is important, right? Yeah, it's everything. So, it, you know, when you're younger, you, I think the younger generation actually doing it much better than we did. I did. Mm-hmm. You didn't really think about the why as much. You just did. Sure. You know, impact is important. You start to think about, you know, if you have kids, you start to think about the world they're going to live in. Mm-hmm. And then you can see, well, what can I do on a, on a macro or micro level that will positively impact the world? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I suppose I am compared to others, but I'm sure there's people out there that are doing far more than I am. So, yeah. yeah. So the, and Joe that works here has taught me a lot. Uh, okay. He's been a real leader in, in just the simple things. You cool. just go, oh, that's common sense, but it's not, it wasn't. Now it is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, there's the plastic grain pro bags, these bags, we've got a producer here that we roast coffee for, Billy and Weeder, mm-hmm. Rencher. They've got Friday Hot Coffees. We just give them the plastic bags that come out in the Hesham sacks. And when they pull coffee off the tree, they don't have to buy it. They can just use the same bags, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, little things like that. Yeah. You would have, so easy just to put in the bin. Yeah, 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 so easy. But, um, yeah, you know, try to, you know, I've been very guilty of being wasteful. You'll have, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I suppose how do you it's being build human. credits now? Yeah. How, how can you build the credits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, uh, but it's fun too. Yeah. It's very, I, well, I find, I mean, I'm not running a roastery and doing all the things that you're doing, but the things that I do do, I derive like a lot of purpose from them as well. Like, what do you do? Uh, as far as like, it would have been a lot easier to drive around the country and just use diesel yeah. and a lot less embarrassing than walking yep, into yep. like lots of places and asking for old oil and shit. Like, How do you do that? Literally just walk in and ask for oil and just ask them like, it's taken me a while to Hi, dial, dial in the conversation. Hi, how you going? Hey, I've got actually a bit of a weird question for you. Go on, shoot. Heaps, um, heaps of weirdos already. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just wondering what you guys do with your oil once you drop it out of your deep fryers at the end of the day. Uh... Well, we try and use it for as long as possible. Yeah. But then, yeah, it's just out the back in a drum. Perfect. Can I have a look at it? I'm basically sure. running around the country help, using help, it. Help yourself. Blue drum out the back. Yeah. That's it, man. That's, <laughs> been, that's that? been the conversation, yeah. They just say, do, they say, do they say take it, including the drum, everything? No, not the drum. If it's in one of those drums, it means it's part of a commercial ah, outfit. But I say, I've got a jiggle siphon. Can I stick it in the top and take some? And then they're usually pretty relaxed about it. Do they have to pay to get rid of it, do you think? No, I think they get paid. So So have have you ever paid for it? No, I haven't. And I make a point not to because that's So so, so the oil comes out, it's full of like chips and... Yeah, yeah, bits of shit and stuff, yeah. And the exhaust changes aroma depending on what it's been used to cook for so like oh, every yeah, tank right. is okay. like something so, so slightly you different drive, you're driving out of a fish and chip set <laughs> fully and then and donuts the next day and then like no schnitzels the next day. yeah yeah so what do you do with the oil when it comes out um so i'll run it through a twin cartridge caravan water filter that i've got just with like the oil yeah so there's these two sort of um yeah, i know what they are Cart- like cartridge water filter yeah so the oil will go through it yeah 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 the oil goes through it so i've got one it like basically, a five, like a five micron. It goes one's twenty micron, the next one's one micron. Um, and the oil goes through. Yeah, so I filter it through like a sieve first, like two hundred fifty micron sort of. Big oh bits. yeah, I would have never. If you told me, I would have thought that would be blocked in a minute. 
they get blocked after maybe, the 20 micron tends to get blocked after about 100 litres. And up until now, I've just thought of the way to do it. So up until now, I've been using a, a boat bilge pump yep. and literally like it. hosed it all up and then just pumping pump it into it jerry can. And my forearms have had it. And so what I've thought to do is put uh, a Schrader valve, like a tyre valve, on top of a drum yep. and then connect my compressor to it. Of course. And then just fill it up with compressed air and then just push it through the filters that way straight into the tank. Yep. So I've only just thought of that. Yep. And I've got 40 litres on board ready to do it next time. But I've... I've quite well stocked at the moment. So, 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 so the filters get blocked. How do you yeah. unblock, can you unblock the filters? Yeah, just unscrew the cartridge. So unscrew the, the filter. No, that's the problem is you they're disposable filters. Yeah, they're, they're like a cotton string yeah. wound type filter. Yeah. Um, with a little, the same ones at home? Say again. They use the same ones at home? Like yeah. Formal. Yeah, and I imagine they're pretty similar to whatever RO systems are around and yeah. although they probably go down to 0.5 and get rid of all the yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything. We use half micron and five micron. Yeah. Five micron, then half micron. So you, so you pump it through 100 litres? 100 litres generally, and then it'll basically, I'll just feel it in the bilge, and it won't, I won't yeah. be able to draw it out, and I'll realise that it's blocked. And then the same thing happens What if you feel you use, like, a centrifugal? Yeah, um, the centrifuges you can get. They're just so expensive. Uh, can't you just use a bucket and swing around your head? <laughs> yeah, it could do, I suppose. <laughs> Those centrifuges look amazing. to get water out of it as well. Yeah, like, you swing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just take off the top. I don't know. There's, I've seen pretty cool setups around. Like I saw one guy had a beer barrel with a centrifuge on top of it. Yeah. And that was a pretty dynamite idea. Yeah, right. um, and then on board, there's a pre-filter and then just the existing fuel filter. Jack the car up and... and, and no jacking up, man. It's a truck. That's the no, best no, thing. No, I was thinking like jack the car up and put a bucket on one of the wheels and you know, sit on 20 kilometers an hour for like a minute. Yeah. That just centrifuges all the oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't actually thought about using the drive, but that's another opportunity. It's been really fun as an experiment and it's blocked the um, oh. yeah, the fuel filters a couple of times, but... That's right though. It's easier. Pretty easy. So then, so then do you have to keep it heated? So then it's filtered, it's clean. So it's so clean. It goes through a five micron, it's like crystal clear. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, that, just think coffee, coffee is five micron. So if you were to put... Make an AeroPress, mm -hmm. that's five micron, it's cloudy, but if you make a V60, like a drip coffee, mm -hmm. it's super clear and clean. Yeah. You compare that to plunger coffee. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. how the oil is, clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the same filtration And then, then you heat it. So then, yeah, then it runs through a, a heat exchanger, which is connected to the water system. And by the time, it's also got another um, inline pump to help move it, because it is quite thick before it gets to the heat exchanger. Yeah. And then the lift pump does the rest. So, so is all this stuff, buy, you can buy all this stuff now? Yeah. The vegetable conversion kits? Pretty much, yeah. It's already, it's already done. Yeah. So but what I actually did was like, right, I researched it for so long on all the different ways to do yeah. it and electrics, no electrics, different types of valves. And by the time I'd finally figured out, okay, I need this bit, this bit, this bit, this bit, this bit, I found a kit and I was like, oh, I could have just found this kit straight away. Yeah. But it was kind of good to have found it and understand what each bit inside it's going to be doing. And know that that's what you needed. And know, Nothing exactly, have it confirmed. Kit, yeah. Like, oh, that's... yeah, yeah, Epic. so it's like, it's pretty easy, man. Anyone with an old diesel, it's just like worth doing. Does it you... have the same, does it have the same pollution issues as diesel? I think is there's less like harmful particulates, there's still emissions. Yeah, of course. But I think burning, there's... Right? There's always emissions, whether you burn timber or paper yeah. or yeah, anything, yeah. there's always emissions, right? Yeah. But Regardless I'm, of temperature. I think it's a lot less. I'm not up to speed yeah, on yeah. the science of it, 
but it doesn't come with the environmental price tag of oil extraction yeah. and diesel refinery. And it's using a waste product. Exactly, and then the oil is well, not well, going well, in the well, ground. Does, what do the guys that recycle, do they do biodiesel as well? Um, I think most of it goes to commercial composting, oh. some of it goes to animal feed, and then some of it does get shipped to <coughs> Europe for biodiesel manufacture because we don't manufacture any biodiesel in Australia. How weird is that? Which is the most counterintuitive thing about product, ever. It probably takes more fuel yeah. to ship it over there. Than and that fuel, man, the crude oil that those tankers use, you wow. can walk on it at room temperature because it's so unrefined. And that stuff is just belching out into the atmosphere in international waters because no one's policing that shit. Yeah. And it's all just to like, yeah, it's so weird to think wow, about wow. barrels of vegetable oil to be made into more environmentally efficient fuels, being, being taken 20,000 kilometres through the open ocean on a ship using that stuff. Yeah, someone, someone that I've listened to before has said, you know, if the aliens were looking at us, they'd think you're idiots. Yeah, yeah. The, the stuff that we do. Oh, 2020 would be just a spectacularly entertaining year to watch yeah. from above, I think. You know, I get excited about the concept, you know, you, you whole vegetable things. I imagine you go around everyone's house and you have like a, we have a, you know, like if you had oil collection down at the end of the street mm -hmm. and you kept all the oil and then someone, it's free, it's free for you, just grab the oil and turn it into fuel and put yeah. it in the car and away you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think the biggest issue that is that everyone's busy and time is, of, yeah. you know, maybe COVID has helped um, everyone realise there's more time than what they thought there was. Yeah, well, I think maybe the boom in, um, urban residential cafes is yeah. probably reflective of yeah. that like the cbd espresso markets died but everyone else is like i actually and have got time to have one at the coffee shop around the corner and that's interesting you know um we kind of exited the city business coffee world about in 2017 intentionally <coughs> yeah you know because you know what keeps me up at night because i've got a mortgage and i've got costs is how well my customers fare, you know, and knowing that they're safe and making money and mm. sustainable. Mm. In 2017, I noticed it, that, that the customers were struggling. They were, you know, we had a lot of city customers. We've still got some, and they're still doing amazingly well. That's because they've been, maybe not chosen by us, but it just works. You guys have just, just found we, one another. We just worked. Yeah. yeah. And so in 2017, we... You know, the, the biggest thing in 17 was credit card transactions were prolific amongst amongst cafes. That mm -hmm. was kind of the boom when everyone started, stopped, really started using their, their credit cards yeah. um, to pay for coffee. So then it went from a 70% cash business to a 30% cash business. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that just ruined the cafes. And then the reward cards, which gave everyone a 10% discount, 3% on, you know, transaction costs because mm. if POS was 30 cents plus mm, mm. you know it was you know the cost of transaction was so high that you know everyone then the other whammy was you know weekend rates for for workers yeah so that just completely demolished the cafe industry you know uh, and everyone was you know, just cr you know just crawling trying to figure out ways to you know bring their costs down and, yeah. and the first thing that went down was coffee prices mm. so we just didn't we just we're okay you can go there and buy that coffee that's been clearly taken from someone or you can stay strong and adjust what you do and pivot yeah you know and it's quite in, in that process we went to like-minded businesses 
from Brisbane through till Sydney and South Sydney and really worked with, I kind of found cafes and kiosks that I thought had a better model. So kiosks, general stores, that, were that, that really wanted a great product, but and we're happy to pay a little bit more for it. But, yeah. they, but what it meant was our yield per customer was lower. Yeah. Because those customers were doing 10 or kilos or 15 kilos and the coffee, other coffee companies were going, well, that's not big enough. We need the 40 kilos, not 50 mm. kilos. Mm. So we really focused on getting those guys on board. And it's quite funny because... Has that insulated you from a lot COVID of the pitfalls came, of this year? COVID yeah. came and it's like we had a really tough beginning because it was the uncertainty. Yeah. And then we've had the busiest year ever. Yeah. Because all those cafes that trusted... This is a better way of doing it. Yeah, what a cool um, energetic dividend, yeah. man! Like to have and everyone's it all come stoked. Back. I mean, you know, the whole team's stoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. coffee's amazing, and we're you know we're busier than we've ever been. Yeah. So that's what I. That's almost it's. It feels like an insensitive thing to say when so many people have suffered from this year and stuff. But the reality to me seems that if you've gotten through this year in yeah. some sort of shape, it means yeah. that you've had your behaviour ratified in a way. Yeah. And like, it, 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 there's some just sheer bad luck or good luck yeah there's that definitely and, definitely. Then, and then there's a majority I think which is just like good people good stuff good just good and they're, and they're looking after their community and they're looking after everyone and they're just and the community's yeah. looking after them back. yeah like yeah yeah held afloat because yeah. they're doing something that's valued yeah yeah so, so it's kind of so like that's been, so been good yeah it feels like almost um, 2020's just been like it's been like an evolution supplement in a way. It's just sped shit up because like it's adapt or die. Yeah. And this year you've had to do it pretty quickly. So you've been on the road for the whole year? Pretty well, yeah. Yeah. I know. I was like, Fly truck. Yeah. I feel bad about it almost because it's been like one of the no, best years I, of my life. <laughs> hey, I think it's a great year, to, great year to do it. I couldn't get to the West. Mark didn't want me to come. Hopefully he'll invite me another time. But. Oh, yeah, right. It's a big country, man. Like, I don't think I would have made it over there now that I've been where I have. So where did you get to? We got to basically just drove up the Stewart Highway from Adelaide or Port Augusta to... Dead North. Dead North. So did Uluru, Alice, Alice Kings Canyon, all those places. Yeah. Um, and then... Did you, where did you go east? I headed east from Tennant Creek. Yep. Yeah. That's the pretty standard route, isn't it? Yeah. So there's an inland route. Did you go back up north from there? Or... No, I just, I just punched it to the coast. I had so much red dust and like flies and I was just like, all right, I need to get back to the sea. Yeah. yeah. And it was such how, a culture shock. How long was shock. that trip? I drove um, 3,100 Ks in four days. Oh, you're right. Yep. The truck only goes 85. Yeah. No air conditioning. Bench seat straight on top of the front axle, like just bouncing around and getting flipped off by truckies. It's, it's the next fire truck, isn't it? Yeah, it's slow as shit. I suppose the benefit of that trip though would have been that most of the places you went, there would have been deep fries everywhere. Yep. <laughs> if, I, I, if there's going to be somewhere there's deep fries, that's the places. Yeah, right? man, absolutely. All these roadhouses, and there's no services out there, so there's no blue drums for commercial guys to rotate. Like it all yeah. just piles up. I, I was rejecting it by the end of that trip. Like I've still got stock from it that I don't, uh, I've got enough on board to get me home, so I don't really need to keep asking for it because there's so much of it out there. Wow. Crazy, man. Like, it was can a you get Can you get that diesel and easily convert it into a pub diesel? Is that, that's biodiesel, right? What's that? Pub diesel. Pump diesel. What's like that? Pump, like... Oh, like out of a Bowser? Yeah. Um, well, it gets mixed in, does it? Oh, can I still use that? No, can you get, like, vegetable oil and just use it just, like... 
use it in a normal car. You need the conversion you kit. You can if you live somewhere really tropical and you've got a forgiving yeah. set of fuel lines in your vehicle, I think. But so, so you can't stick it in your VW Caddy and go drive yeah, it? I mean, you could. Theoretically, you could. If you can get it to fire and get the motor working, then you would. But yeah. ideally, it's, it's hot already, so the oil's viscous yeah. and runs thin like diesel. Yeah, that's so cool. But I've heard people doing that. The like, excess of oil, like, you know... There's no excess of fuel, is there? Mm. There's excess of oil. I know. So you're driving down the street, there's drums and drums of excess of oil, but you can't That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I was wild. camped out the back of pubs and stuff, and there's just pretty notoriously a pallet full of, like, cooking drums oil. of various cooking oil in different condition. And wow. Yeah. It's just, a, like, a far-flung hypothesis that I had, like, two years ago. I was like, I bet there's shitloads of fuel out there if you can make it work. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about any other sustainability or coffee shit, or should I let you get back to your job? Well, if you have any questions, I mean, we really spoke about plastic, right? How long have we been going for? You're cool. I'm, I'm free. I bet you're not as free as I am. <laughs> I've been borrowed by at the end of the six-month trip, so... Um, no, not really. I've, I think I've pretty... Oh, I did have one question for yeah, you, actually. Shoot. This is a coffee question only. Yeah. I was working at a joint... Um, earlier this year and the roaster didn't roast any naturals and I was like mm, I've never seen that before and I was wondering why because I was I mean I like natural processed coffee because it's so approachable it's so big full-bodied sweet generally and then I was chatting to one of these roasters and I was like I've never seen naturals on the bench where I'm working like what's the go and he's like oh it's too easy too easy man and I was like oh my god this is like this new dynamic of coffee that I'd never encountered before there's not many of those roasters around but are you one of them yeah yes I love it because <laughs> it's so like I completely get it we have to say we, we've got a milk blender with naturals in it yeah which you kind of need right to bottom out like a milk a big large yeah, yeah. flat white sort well, of thing yeah okay we don't do naturals uh, we don't so the reason why we don't do naturals, do you want to know why? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we are after transparency. So you want to, so the three things that really impact coffee flavor are the origin, the variety, and how it's processed. So, so origin is obviously the country, um, the variety, whether it's, you know, Couture or Castilla, there's thousands of varieties. Bon there, blah, yeah, blah, there's blah. probably only... There, Standard varieties, there's not that many. There's, there's, there's hybrids of varieties. Yeah. And in general, you, you, unless you are super into coffee, you don't really taste the variety except for one, which is the Geisha variety. Yeah. Um, um, but other than that, you don't really taste the variety. These are un all... unless, unless you're that person right. that, that knows the variety. So you know, like the other day, we were tasting some coffee and it's, it's like, wow, that's super sweet but it's the acidity is muted. And I wouldn't have guessed that it's a bourbon, but it was a bourbon. And then you go, oh, of course it's a bourbon. But yeah, you know, like you just, it's not something that even after, you know, me that drinks so much coffee in variety. Like yeah, it's just, we yeah. just taste so much coffee. Still, I don't go, oh, that's a, that's a bourbon. Yeah. You know, maybe the buyers that are buying the coffee would, but we buy coffee. But it's anyway, so if we move on, yeah. variety, Origin, and then the last one's processing method. So, so generally, the processing method is inherent to water supply. So, there's countries that lack water during 
post harvest or during harvest and post harvest. Generally, it stops raining, and you uh, and generally, if there's no rain, you harvest the coffee. Then there's some rain, and the, and the, and the trees flower again. And okay. so, so generally, there is water around the period at which you're processing coffee. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to ferment the coffee in water, process it in water, uh, and it, you get a higher quality coffee because the bad coffee floats. You mm. get that out. There it, it is. It, 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 and, and, and it's clean. Yeah, yeah, so it's clean. yeah. But the bad coffee floats. That is such a good point. Yeah, yeah. That, you get the, you get the you floaters. Can, yeah. So, and then, so if you want to, uh, the listeners want to understand what the processes are. So there's washed, semi-washed, and there's natural. And there's everything in between. And it's the process of removing the bean from yeah. the cherry. Correct. And all of the layers. Imagine you had between. a, imagine you had like 100 kilos of actual cherry. Like, just like, you know, Californian cherries. Mm. You know, and you had to get the seed out. How could you do that in a way that it was industrialized? And know? doesn't tarnish. Yeah. So generally it goes through a pulper, like a screw, and it takes off the skin and the flesh, and then you're left with a seed inside like parchment, like a, like a kernel. And then, um, and then you put it in water and let it sit for a couple of days or five days until it ferments. And then you'd wash it in another batch of water. And then basically that gets all rid of all the skin and everything. And you're left with a clean, squeaky clean bean, you know, bean which you can then dry. Yep. And, and, and by doing it that way, you, it's super consistent, it's easy, it's predictable. Mm. You know, you, you just, you, know, you can extend the fermentation, you can reduce the fermentation, you can increase the sweetness. Yeah. And you can get coffees that might taste like naturals um, because you've fermented them a little bit longer. There's a, there's a lot of things you can do with washed coffees that gives you more control. Yeah. Then there's semi-washed where you just literally take the skin off and dry it with the sugars intact, which gives you, again, you're not really washing the coffee, so you, that's not as reliable. So you get a lot of nutty coffee because that, 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 that coffee hasn't been floated. So you don't, Yeah, you'll get more defects and stuff in there. Yeah. So, um, so that was just the power now. It just yeah. freaked me out because the rest yeah, yeah, is on. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then back to semi-washed coffees and they're really good. They're super sweet, but they're nutty because the floaters don't come out. So you taste those underripes. Mm. And then there's the natural processed coffees. It's literally the, the cherry gets turned into sultana and then, and it's fermented. So, and then it gets sort of smooshed together yeah, in the mill and yeah, pull the bean out just that goes way. through a, a dehuller and tastes, it. takes it off. Mm. So, so the problem with natural coffees is that the fermentation gets to a point where the vinegar or acetic acid is performed and that tastes like vinegar. Yeah, right. So, 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 and then if you get two natural coffees, if you're really, really good, you might know which one's which, but generally they all taste the same. Funky, mm. bananas, potatoes, acidic, acetic, vinegar. And they just smell like they smell like manure sometimes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and I think people are attracted to naturals because of um, how sweet they are and how, oh, this, this is actually different to coffee. Mm. Um, so we just don't do naturals. But in saying that, if a great one comes across that's not acetic, we would serve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm yeah. so glad I asked you this question yeah. because like, I've been thinking about it a lot having been one of those people who's attracted to naturals because yeah. it's easier to identify yeah. certain flavours. Or yeah. That's a great introduction to especially coffee. Yes, yes, yes. So a lot of people use it as a gateway. But then like the surfer in me is like, well, I understand why people's style develops better if they learn on a big single fin rather than getting straight on a performance thruster. And yes. it's sort of like the same dynamic yes. of like... There's room for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we lately we've been a little bit more lenient on the naturals and tasting them and just seeing if there's something that comes through that's not acidic. Mm. But it's really hard. I mean, you, you, know, you don't really want to go and taste 20 naturals and try and pick one. Right, yeah. Once and you've had and if you talk about farm security and producers, it's actually cheaper, quicker, easier for the producers just and safer for the producer to wash their coffee. Is that right? Yeah. On, on site If they've got the water. Oh, okay. Because it, it, it's reliable. Yeah. Fermented to this point, and it's sweet, and it tastes like this. Right, and if they didn't do and that, they're running the risk that their crop acidic. will go bad, and then they won't get any money for Any it. water on that? Any water yeah. on that, and it's dead. Yeah. Uh, it, over. Fungal growth and stuff. Correct. Yeah. Dead. Dead. Yeah. So it's safer to wash the coffee. It's better for the farmer to wash the coffee. Oh, my God. I'm so glad and, I asked and, you this question. And, <laughs> and you know what? Like, everyone wants to be... Everyone wants to be, uh, let me say this in a way that doesn't sound elitist, but everyone wants to taste things well. You know, everyone wants yep. to, you know, like you want, if you're drinking wine, you want to understand it, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Most people do. Yeah. Even the people that say, I don't care about it. They, they, when they go to a, a liquor it's shop. It's just because they're not brave enough to suggest a flavor. They, 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 those people go to the wine shop and they go, what are you after? And they get picked for them. But the point is that when you, as soon as you get past the naturals and you go get into the washed coffees, you can't go back. Mm. there's no backwards motion mm. ever mm. you know and the people that are stuck in the naturals world stay there or move on yeah uh, and you know that's my opinion yeah uh, and uh, you know that's yeah. that's such a good point though that it's it's safer economically as well as yeah. um, you know so biologically far. or horticulturally or whatever yeah. the fact that these families are gambling their entire years totally. wealth on and one harvest and it's better and it's better yeah, yeah, it's yeah, better. Yeah. The coffee tastes better. So, and, uh, and look, on a health note, I don't know, but the chlorogenic acid is the acid that's prevalent in washed coffees that give you that kind of tangy, you know, acidic, acidic, acidic flavor. Acidic mm. as in a good flavor, mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. in like when you have a good lemonade or yeah, 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 you know, like just a piece of stone fruit. Or something. Yes, yeah, good acids. Yeah. Those acids aren't prevalent in natural processed coffee. So, you know, ah. I, I don't know if natural processed coffees are as good for you as washed coffees, but I know that the chlorogenic acid is a really beneficial acid to have. Really? High antioxidant. And oh, light roasted coffee is really good for you. Ah. So that's the research that has been done. So there's some health benefits of a light roasted washed coffees because yeah. the chlorogenic acid's high. I love that about coffee is that it just slots into like so many good health yeah. current health trends yeah. and like trends yeah. that, that I hope won't be trends because they, they, they work. Yeah. Things like intermittent fasting but using black coffee to prolong it yeah. and suppress your appetite and give you some energy without having any yeah, calories absolutely. and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and it's a plant and you just add water. Yeah. You know? yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of also feel like the naturals have had a bad rap because really historically... Uh, what you would have is the great cherries, the ones that were picked. So, so you, you pick up, pick all the all the dark cherries, mm -hmm. right? And pick all the so you pick all the cherries, right? And it, inevitably, some are ripe, some are overripe, and some are underripe. And yep. the best producers separate them all. 
Yeah. So the ones that are ripe, they get washed and treated beautifully. The ones that are underripe might get left out to dry and ferment, become naturals. So that's why they can be nutty. Right? And then the overripes are already overripe, so they're going to just get turned to naturals. So historically, the naturals were... The lower, point, like less Correct. developed. You know, it's like, why do people want that? That's the oh, crap. That, yeah, that's the B-roll. No shit. So, so, then, huh. so then when you actually go and taste some naturals, and if you know what you're tasting, you taste age, you taste nut, yeah, and you taste phenolic and all the maybe all of some the relics of the nice washed equivalents. So then they said that there's clean, there's, there's clean naturals. So clean naturals, uh, you know, the, the 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 beautiful cherry that could have been a beautiful washed coffee instead carefully fermented yeah. in a natural environment. So then those coffees are labelled clean naturals. They're clean because they're not phenolic. Phenolic is the mold that grows. Mold mold causes a phenolic taint. Right. Um, there's no um, um, uh, there's no acetic acid because they're not fermenting them fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are producers that are doing stuff, but still, I just feel like I taste those coffees and they're beautiful. Sounds and like then, and then I go, hey, sounds like just wash it. <laughs> yeah. And for me, you know, and you can achieve that flavor by washing it. The flavor that they're after, you can achieve that flavor in a washed coffee with more complexity if you just wash it and ferment it a little bit longer in water. But also then roast it properly, right? Yeah, yeah, like then that this yeah, is the whole yeah. game, isn't it? Yeah, like, because yeah, yeah. those growers are like, yeah. I want this coffee to be, you know, reach its full potential. But if they give it to a shit roaster who doesn't do a good job, then yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe someone's not sympathetic of. Yeah. So so then there's two ways of roasting coffee. One is you just roast it so that it dissolves, make it brown. Yeah, and then and then there's other ways to roast it just enough. So that it dissolves. Yeah. And if you roast it just enough so it dissolves, then you end up with a coffee that has transparency to origin, to variety, mm. and to processing method. Mm. That's what we try and do. Whereas if you just roast it so it dissolves, then really you taste the roaster, you taste coffee, traditional flavors, bitter, strong. Yeah. And most Australians like. I've become I, quite it, accustomed to the flavor of roaster. And I mean, on a health note, Australia's just behind America is in one of the unhealthiest mm-hmm. countries in the world. So most drink excessively and lots and, of dairy and, milk, and, lots and, of sugar. Yeah. So if you get all that, most people's coffee is probably a caffeine delivery system. Yeah. And dark roasted coffee has higher caffeine levels. That always frustrates me about coffee, man. When people are like, "Oh no, I have more than one," and I go a bit crazy or whatever, I'm like, "Well, maybe that's." Yeah, dark roast maybe, coffee has more caffeine. Or maybe it's the 80% RDI of your sugar that you just yeah, inhaled in totally, one cup. Yeah. And it's not the coffee at all, mate. Absolutely. Like maybe. Absolutely. I think people like have a bit of a misconception about what's doing what when they drink a, yeah. but, you know, a for, coffee. For me, it's not caffeine delivery until I haven't had one. Mm. And then it's like, give First me a fucking today. coffee now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally it's more about, oh, what am I going to have today? What do I feel like? What do I want to taste? And what do I want to taste? And is it an espresso or is it? Uh, a filter yeah or is it a, is it a milk is it a soy milk yeah and, um, whereas most people's maybe majority of people it's a caffeine it's like, I need a fucking coffee mm-hmm. uh, I didn't sleep last night mm-hmm. and I need one I need to go to work I gotta give me give me as much coffee in that cup as you can get and I need to go yeah, yeah. So, so if we disregard if you're in our world it's like well I just want a nice cup of coffee I get one a day because that's all I can handle or two mm-hmm. a day mm-hmm. I want it to be amazing mm. that's us Mm. Hopefully. 
and also because you know I want to I want to respect where this yeah. plant product has come from yeah. and the many yeah. kilometres it's travelled and hands that it's been through. Yeah, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to people that don't drink our coffee, but I don't want to sound like an elitist. But also, you dickheads. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it, it's point is we can do it better. Yeah, and we can be and we can respect the product and you don't have to jam shitloads of coffee into a porter filter and make this super strong coffee and put four sugars and fill it up with cow's milk and yeah, yeah. That's, your, that's your shot. You can, have a, you can use 30% less coffee and get the same strength and get more flavor. So and, much and more drop gratification. The milk. Drop the milk. Yeah. You know, and then and all of a sudden you're in this world of no return. Once yeah. you go into that world, there's no coming the back. The sensitivity switch has been yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But, um, Oh, yeah. that's probably a good note to wrap up on, man. I better let you mate. get back to your work. Hey, thank you. No, thanks, dude, thanks thank for walking you. in. That's that true. You're amazing. Oh, thank you very much. And, um, I, I can't wait to hear more about your trip. Mate, Could, can you. I hear more about it on your podcast? Um, yeah, I made like a, I made a little YouTube series actually, like documenting the process of converting it and everything. Same What's as that the uh, Emu Parade, because um, I was mainly using the truck for like cleanups, rubbish cleanups in national parks and stuff. Um, but it's similarly lo-fi to the podcast as far as cracked iPhone screens and lo-fi microphones and shit. But yeah, it's there. Thanks for coming in. It's been mate, no worries. Mate, you're a legend. You've been so generous. Like no. you just said, yeah, come along, have a cupping, we'll have a chat. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Stoked. No worries, man. Sweet. Thanks, Nico. So what do you reckon? How cool is that guy? Do you see what I mean now as well about what I said at the beginning of this episode when you can just tell that Nico, everything he says, you can just tell that he has thought about it a million different times from a million different perspectives through a million different lenses. I really appreciate people whose brains work that way. And I don't know, they just, they've got a horsepower about them that I really enjoy engaging with. So I really enjoyed having that chat. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. And Oh, I told myself I would do it. I don't like asking for things, guys, but I would really appreciate um, just like a rating. I think that's how you do it on podcasts, right? It's a star thing. Be honest, don't really care. Would just like some feedback. Um, five, Obviously, five stars would be really nice. But if you think I'm two stars, then that's fine. I don't care. I'd prefer to listen to some feedback than the crickets that are currently in my reviews and ratings on um, iTunes and such. So anyway, that'd be really nice. I'm finding this really uncomfortable to ask for. Um, so I'm going to stop talking about it now and just say thank you again for listening, for connecting, and I will catch yous for another yarn next week. See you then, guys. Peace. Peace.